WFH with two guys. Now here's Benny and Dennis. The idea I can think about when I've worked for one of the largest telecommunications companies in the world, Dennis, I, I don't know if I ever shared this with you. I actually moved from a regular traditional type of working environment, nine to five, going into um, in, into the office and, and then coming back. But uh, I was actually forced into working from home. I, th- this was something that was, I, I kind of went in kicking and screaming because I wasn't, I was really nervous about the whole idea. But with today's environment, this being the year 2022, we have really been forced to change the way that we do business. In fact, the name of our podcast, WFH, Work From Home with Two Guys, right? That's a really important part of culture and what's changed nowadays. So the idea of being able to have remote teams, hybrid work environments, work, the work, work landscape has changed completely, Dennis. What do you think? It, it's radically changed. And I think, you know, there's many companies and managers that are getting it, but there's probably some that are struggling with it. I know one of the biggest things I hear from people is just the onboarding and how do I make sure that the new people coming in are going to buy into the culture and that they're not going to just come and work, but then fade away and fall off and not understand the value of what we really do. Um, and I think that's a challenge that many people face because you want more than just a body. You want someone that actually is engaged and is with you long-term. And, you know, if you can figure out that remote model, it's a win-win for everybody, but if not, you can have all kinds of challenges. Absolutely. And so today's uh, expert that can really give us a lot of insight. Chris Gwynn, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate it. Tell us a little bit about uh, what today's work environment looks like and what you're seeing and tell us, you know, give us some insight into today's work environments. Yeah. Thanks for having me on, uh, Benny and Dennis. Um, so I think one of the bright spots of COVID uh, to kind of uh, find uh, sort of the the one bright area was that I think we've kind of gone about 10, maybe 15 years into the future of kind of expediting the entire remote-based working environment. I think we were definitely trending in that direction even before then. I know that even when I was working at a full-time corporate job, I did occasionally some remote-based, but there was always that stigma that you can never become productive if you're working from home. There's just too many distractions. There's, I can't trust my employees. But as we quickly found out throughout COVID, because we were essentially forced into continuing to still operate in a remote-based learning environment or a remote-based work environment rather, was that, it is possible. It is possible to become productive. And for many folks out there, for many employees in the workforce, that it is actually a little bit more, there's a better work-life balance. You tend to not lose as much time between commuting and travel, which ultimately increases your overall satisfaction with your job. And ultimately, it makes you the overall work environment a little bit easier to manage because you can tend to maybe a, an errand in the morning before the 7 a.m. or the 8 a.m. and still be able to kind of stay productive and you're staying focused during those meaningful um, work hours. But that said, there certainly was a fair amount of adjustments um, that were required to take place with um, employers, with setting up all of those systems and making sure that all of the employees had all the resources that they needed to be able to perform their job. It certainly has shifted, um, I think, 
a lot of the burden on employers to make sure that, hey, these silos are just kind of forming and ultimately I'm, there's still oversight and accountability with everyone out there. So, Chris, you know, I think if you're an existing employee that you already knew the culture, that part's easy or easier, I'll say. Mm-hmm. But, you know, for that new employee that's starting, you know, May 1st, going into an organization, how, how what are some success stories that you've seen allowing that employee to get the culture, get engaged so that they don't just become a body, but they actually become an integral part of the organization doing whatever they need to do? It's an excellent question, Dennis. And it really all starts with onboarding. It is really that first week or so when, and I, to be, I actually just hired and just onboarded a brand new hire today. I brought on a brand new sales rep and we have all of our uh, process documentation, all of our training and all of our, uh, all of our uh, onboarding materials all documented in one centralized location. And we use an application called Trainual, um, which is an awesome uh, platform to be able to kind of house all of your policies, all of your processes, all of your company information, and all of the information about your people. But the onboarding really sets the entire tone and really, really setting clear expectations for your employee on the first day. Because if everyone is working remote, you kind of lose a little bit of like, hey, let's spend a couple of hours with Benny. Let's spend a couple of hours with Dennis. But the employee coming brand new, fresh into this job, it's there's a lot of unknowns. There's a lot of, I don't really know where to access this information. I don't even know how to kind of do this particular responsibility that I was hired to be able to complete or be able to follow this process the way that you want me to complete it. Other than scheduling a time with Benny or scheduling a time with Dennis, sitting down with them and actually getting up to speed. But I think because of that, that's where it really puts the emphasis on the overall importance of having very clearly defined processes and creating a very warm, welcoming message to all of your folks and really kind of creating a very high level of foundational knowledge throughout the entire onboarding and training experience. And so that's where every... um, throughout the entire onboarding experience, we always want to kind of capture the kind of about the company, telling a little bit more about like the welcome to the company, the history of the company, a little bit more about the core values, the mission statement, the values, making sure that they sign off on the employee handbook and any of the other policy documents. But then you would want to actually during that same unique training path, we want to equip that employee with walking through, through, through videos and screenshots, all of the other responsibilities that we would need to cover while we were on the job or if we were kind of just shadowing them um, on, during their first day. And then after they complete all that, they kind of go through all of the knowledge checkpoints and quizzes to actually verify that they actually understand about your core values, about your company, about all of the um, how to perform all of those responsibilities. And then you're left with them being able to schedule kind of a more hands-on type of uh, training or onboarding session to be able to reinforce all of that training. So I think that that's a huge um, need for a lot of small businesses. And I think it's going to be very challenging to be able to be very successful, to fully adopt a remote-based working environment without having that key onboarding and training all documented in sort of a centralized uh, learning management or playbook software. So Chris, I mean, I, I kind of hear it's kind of becomes both the employer and the employee have to have some responsibility here. So from an employer's perspective, what I hear, 
I mean, they, they definitely need to think their process. It's not just, oh, I hired Benny. In the old days, we just kind of shuffled Benny around and we hoped within the first two or three weeks, Benny figured out what was going on and knew what his job was. <laughs> and if I'm the manager, I might meet with him once or twice in there and pray that he's got it and off he goes. In the new world, as a company, I've got to think through some of those things and I've got to have kind of a plan and knowing that a lot of the workforces used to use an iPhones and videos and any of that stuff, it kind of plays into how they kind of live their life anyhow. Now, as the employee, I've got to take the initiative and, and listen and watch and do those exercises. But again, as the manager, I should have checkpoints or ways to hold that person accountable going through there. And it's not that you're trying to get rid of them, but if I see someone not doing well, that tells me, hey, I need to spend some time with them or coach or guide a little closer than another way. I'm just kind of paraphrasing what I heard, but it's okay. it's a different model than the old days of go down the hall and spend some time with Sue and then go spend some time with Jeff and pray that they get it. Exactly. And to be fair, I don't even know how effective the previous model really was. Right? I don't it was, think it was. I mean, I think we had lots of tu- I think we had lots of turnover. I mean, I, think I, I mean, was- I mean, there was a ton of turnover. But something that I think is critical with if we're do- if we're going to go full in, all in on hybrid or kind of remote based working environments, we need to kind of put those milestones in place for the first 30, 60, 90 days. So we're not only kind of putting together clear onboarding training that walks through how to perform all of those processes. But we're also setting those those real true milestones. Uh, As an example, if it's a sales rep, all right, you need to be able to complete X number of calls by 30 days. You need to keep like 2X those number of calls by 60 days, 3X by like those number of calls by 90 days. And there's a couple of different checkpoints along the way to be able to reinforce and be able to overcome any issues that that's uh, employee might be encountering. And I think that that's really critical to success of really ensuring that I almost view it like, Hey, if, if I were to give a, uh, maybe hire a freelancer for a specific task, I would want to make sure that I have one, I've outlined exactly what I want in return for this cost that I'm paying for you. And I would also want to outline the specific instructions. I'm kind of outsourcing essentially this task, but the same level of detail is required for all of your other employees. And you need to be able to kind of have a very clear standardized operating procedure, which then leads to greater consistency in the overall operation. But you need to make it as easy as possible for your employees to get up to speed. And if they can't really hit all of those milestones over the first 90 days, then, hey, maybe we need to kind of re uh, re-engineer or kind of uh, review the entire uh, hiring and recruiting process because maybe we're not properly hiring the right fits to be able to work in those systems. And it's also a little bit easier to actually figure out who's a good fit if you do have everything clearly defined. And I would also think, you know, this is also a good chance for small to mid-sized companies to look at your systems. I mean, I know we had several of our clients that we work with on systems they said if they hadn't had that in place with before COVID, they would have died when COVID hit. But by having these systems, it allowed their their current team members to perform, be it in the office or remote. And you know, and the systems are not an Excel spreadsheet. I mean, so you've got to go beyond kind of I'm gonna guess there's a large percentage of companies that are listening in that run a lot of their business off of an Excel spreadsheet. And that's probably not 
where you want to be long-term and you need <laughs> yep. to be thinking about some of these other databases and tools out there that allow those different groups to be more functional and allow that remoteness to happen. Yeah. Um, I mean, if you, if you, if you lose one guy or gal and they're the only owner of that Excel spreadsheet and a lot of that uh, knowledge is all in the Excel spreadsheet. Well, you're kind of screwed a little bit if uh, maybe they just abruptly quit or maybe they, uh, God forbid, kind of more morbidly speaking, kind of uh, pass away or something along those lines where that knowledge just walks out the door. Same with a lot of those systems. And then uh, where are you left at that point? And so that's where it's really critical to get all those systems, get all those processes documented in one single location that doesn't necessarily, I don't mean to make it sound like you're trivializing the worth of your employees because they're incredibly valuable, but it allows it to not be so much people specific, but mm -hmm. allows you to essentially have any person that meets all of those prerequisites to be able to operate within those systems. Hey, so Chris, it seems to, to people like me and Dennis, it, this seems like an obvious way to transition. For some of the maybe people who have been doing things 20, 30 years in this way, this may be a shock to them. What, do you, what's, what are the biggest reasons for hesitancy for people not to want to embrace a hybrid or a complete remote type of uh, culture? What, what are some of the reasons that people um, kind of justify not wanting to do that and want to kind of keep things the way they were before? I think many people, uh, many employers, businesses are a little bit afraid or stubborn when it comes to missing or losing uh, sort of the cultural essence of the company that you kind of miss a little bit of like the water cooler talk. If mm. you can't, if everything is remote based, it's challenging to kind of have that same type of feel um, and kind of relationship sometimes that we're going to just lose that and then we'll kind of lose the entire essence of the company. But I think it's still possible to be able to have that culture, create a culture that everyone is super happy and excited to work at, um, while also still being able to build and create those relationships within your workforce. And I think one, it starts with making sure that you open up very clear communication among all of your employees, making every single person very approachable. And that's where I think a tool like Slack or any of the other internal communication tools can be really helpful, but then also setting aside time to be able to still get to know all of your staff members and all of the employees and just more of a personal level. So um, for, I mean, my entire company is 100% remote based. We are located all across the country and every single month we do monthly happy hours. And my only rule is that we can't talk about work. We can talk about anything else. I don't really care what we talk about, but we can't talk about anything project or work related or anything. Cause I don't want anyone to feel that this is another work requirement. I like them to, I like to be able to get to know everyone on more of a personal level. Um, on top of that, what we also do is we also have a couple of other added touch points where we, we also run on an operating model called EOS, which stands for entrepreneurial operating system. It's kind of a way to be able to drive traction in your overall business. But part of that is our weekly L10 meeting with our leadership. And um, that's another uh, touch point to make sure that we're all kind of on the same page, working on all of the, uh, the bigger rocks or bigger goals within the company and making sure that we're addressing all of the key issues. And then on top of it, we have implemented kind of a layer of um, 
kind of managerial or kind of employee touch points where not only am I kind of going through all of the employee onboarding, we're not, not only are we going through all of the processes that we have kind of outlined and they could certainly just lean on all of that process documentation that's already located within our playbook software. But we also have, um, I make it a requirement for any of your direct reports to actually have kind of a one-on-one professional development session every single week with any of your direct reports. And I use that as an opportunity to be able to discuss, all right, what happened last week? What went well? What didn't go that well? And ultimately, I try to remove any type of roadblocks to be able to allow my employees to be able to get to the next level. I don't believe in any type of like, hey, I'm not going to necessarily tell you the key to success uh, within your role. If you have the ambition and you have the drive to want to uh, take your career from this step to the next step, I'm going to essentially create a roadmap for you. And we're going to use each of these sessions to be able to kind of strengthen any of your weaknesses and double down on any of your strengths and ultimately try to remove any roadblocks and any hindrances um, that you're encountering um, to be able to ultimately position yourself for success. So Chris, so basically we're saying if you're an old style manager that really doesn't talk to your employees until maybe twice a year for their semi-annual and annual reviews, you're about to go through hell over the next few years because the employers are going to demand to be able to work remote. I mean, with gas prices the way they are, the fact that they found that they could work remote, if you're one of those managers, you probably need to open your eyes that there's a different way coming at you. And if you don't change, you're going to lose lots of employees because they're going to go find an employer that provides that that mechanism for them to do the things that they just experienced for a year or two. Yeah. And to make matters worse, it is a seller's market as far as labor. It's incredibly challenging to be able to find labor and you will be significantly more attractive from an employee's perspective. If you do offer some element of remote based or hybrid work and just to prove that I'm not just kind of, talking out of my butt about this. Uh, I've hired three, uh, I'm hiring three new employees. I just brought on two and I've got another one. Uh, I've only had the job posting for probably less than two weeks. Uh, I'm hundred percent remote based. I've gotten over about 3,500, 4,000 applications oh for gosh. all like for all three. So well over about kind of 900 um, for each of the applications. Well, and also as the, as the employer, I mean, yeah, I know a lot of them have fixed costs because they have real estate, but eventually when that real estate lease comes due or they can get out of their current agreement, it's a huge cost savings for that business because all of a sudden you've got all this cost that you're paying for a building that you don't need, that you can do this thing totally different. I know we've had guests on before that are in the real estate world and some of them were, oh, it's going to go back the way it was. I don't think it is. I think mm-hmm. you, you, as a company, I might have had 50,000 square feet. Now I may only need 20,000 because I might have a spot where we gather, but it's not going to be Monday through Friday. It's once or twice a month that people come in. Are certain If that people are in town and want to use it, great, but it's not going to be required. So there's all kinds of things you can do on the cost side as well that allows your business to be more profitable. And I think the big one is the fact... You can now hire from, if I'm in Chicago, I can now hire from across the U.S. and I can find all kinds of good talent. I can find people in the Southeast Conference, the the Big Ten, the Big 12, all of those. You know, I don't have to just find the people from the Big Ten. So yep. um, <laughs> using my football world. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, it, it just changes that whole 
perspective of the types of people you can hire. And, and I think, Chris, I was assuming also, you know, we're talking about the onboarding, but it also changes your hiring process. You've got to, you got to think through, okay, is this the person going to fit in this kind of environment? Because not everybody is perfectly set for remote working. There's some that want to go into an office and I'm sure there's companies that, that they can find. I know I've been doing this for 10 years and I would, if you told me I had to go back into a corporate environment in an office, eight to five, you might as well put me on a cross and just shoot me because it's <laughs> like, it's not going to happen. Um, the, the shift to remote based work and kind of a hybrid work environment, I think definitely requires a little bit of review on some of your interview, um, practices and kind of the overall assessment for talent. But to your point, you're tapping into a much, much deeper talent pool. There's what, 330 million people in the entire United States. I live in Chicago, still top five, top three city in the entire United States. We've got, I think, 5 million people, but it's still a fraction of the entire talent pool that I can access remotely. And um, so I think it definitely is possible. Um, you just need to be able to kind of get all of those right systems in place. But um, I think it does require creating some more accountability, finding, I mean, we hire based off of like personality tests as well as, I mean, we're pretty stringent in the types of interviews that we set us, um, that we create, but you kind of factor in some of the personality tests and some of the, with the capture, some of the behavioral um, aspects of the employee to be able to find that right mold to be able, or that right avatar, I guess, if you will, to be able to work within um, your remote based uh, working environment. You know, as you're as you were talking, Chris, and you and Dennis were, were kind of discussing the merits of of being able to have a larger pool to draw from. It occurs to me that aside from an aspect of uh, you know some of the uh, employers wanting to maintain a control and they like seeing their employees and in, in their office and being able to corral them, uh, it occurs to me that part of what we're looking at is we're exposing some warts within it comes to business, you know, because a lot of what Dennis had talked about earlier in the podcast was that, you know, you, you bring somebody on board and they do it and they, hopefully they figure it out along the way. Well, if you're in, a, in if you're in an office, well, you have the ability and the luxury of being able to, to go down the hall and talk to Jim and say, Hey, where do I go to do this? Or be able to sit with somebody at lunchtime to be able to have them explain a process to you. Whereas if you're remote, your system has got to be top notch. You've really got to have your onboarding down. You've got to have the, the, the cultural aspects of being, have regular meetings and, and letting the tools do some of the work for you. It's a, it's a loss of control. It seems like, and I think some people just feel uncomfortable doing that. Am I wrong in that? No, I think you're very, it's, that's a very fair assessment. Um, at the same time, to be able to scale a business beyond you, you need to be able to effectively delegate and kind of let go of the vine of control that you have over your entire organization. If you are constantly just micromanaging, and that's kind of the way your sort of style of leadership that, hey, the only way for these processes to get done is if I kind of sit like big brother over their shoulder and kind of watch them perform their processes. Well, it's not exactly a very scalable solution to be because mm -hmm. you're only one person. There's only uh, time is finite. You can't change the number of hours in a week and you're not going to be able to do that. You can maybe do that for one employee, but you're not going to be able to do that for a hundred or 200 different employees. And so for the business to truly be able to scale beyond you, you do need to have those systems and those processes in place. And you do need to, on top of it, 
you just need to be able to create those systems of kind of checks and balances that essentially confirms whether or not those processes are being adhered to in practice. And that can come in a lot of different forms of, maybe it could come in the form of like a project management software that essentially serves as like a digitized checklist to actually confirm that some of these tasks are being followed, or maybe you could uh, create essentially just a, a more paper version of a checklist that you need to then upload and take pictures after you confirm maybe it's an installation or something on the field, or maybe it's just something that you're updating within your current applications or your systems, whatever it might be. Um, you can certainly create those systems to actually verify um, that those employees are following your processes. We've covered a lot here today, Chris, and I think there's some really great stuff here, but what would you say would be, you know, the best way for um, companies who maybe are either thinking about it or, or know that they need to kind of move into this hybrid or, or remote type of environment, what would you say would be some, some ways that they can do that? Yeah, I think the first step is to really start to create an outline of all of the processes and all of the responsibilities that uh, all of your folks are performing on maybe a daily, weekly, monthly, or annual uh, basis. And for many companies that we work for, that sounds like kind of a huge, daunting uh, task to take care of. And it probably, to be fair, it is. And it's a little bit overwhelming to even get started. Um, and so that's where we can kind of help a lot of uh, businesses out there to be able to not only be able to flush out all of their core processes, those responsibilities, but actually help you to be able to create very clearly defined documentation around your processes, your responsibilities, and creating a unique training path for each of your employees and really enhancing the overall onboarding and training experience. And so um, for any businesses interested, happy to be able to connect, uh, feel free to uh, either schedule a complimentary session by visiting our website at www.greatlakesadvisory, G-R-E-A-T-L-A-K-E-S-A-D-V-I-S-O-R-Y.com, or you can reach out to me directly at uh, c.gwinn at same URL, greatlakesadvisory.com, or you can also just reach out to me directly at my phone number, which is 773-309-6359. Fantastic. Chris, that is, this is a wonderful uh, bit of information you've given us. I think that there's a lot that uh, that we, that I know myself and Dennis will take away with. And I know a number of people here listening will get a lot out of this too. So thanks so much for stopping by today. We really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's been a great talk. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. You've been listening to WFH with two guys. We'll see you next time.